Welcome, this is Brian Hudson. Welcome to Conversations in Focus here on the Vision Stream Network. So glad to offer to you in this program stories and people who are making a difference in our community, in God's kingdom. And I'm so pleased today to have with me a woman who, is, who has done a great work for many years in serving our community in the area of mental health awareness. And I'm speaking about uh, Carol Wills. Carol Wills is a mental health advocate, an educator, a writer, and speaker. And Kara, I want to welcome you today to Conversations in Focus. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for coming you. over. Now, we have um, a shared passion in the area of informing people about um, mental illness, which is, of course, what we want to help resolve, but also promote mental health. That's the goal. Mm-hmm. And I met Carol probably three years ago at the invitation of a mutual friend, Dr. Gwen Kelly. And I was at the time working on a video series for a coalition of pastors who produced three videos on mental health awareness. And I presented one of those at an event uh, hosted by an organization that Carol will talk to us about. So I, during the research for the videos, on mental illness, I became very intrigued and and I identified with some of the information I found. As a pastor, I see a lot of things. I've experienced some things. And so that started me on the advocacy path for mental health. So Carol, let me just start first of all and just ask you um, about an organization called NAMI. What is NAMI? All right. And why should we understand the importance of this type of organization? Okay. Well, NAMI is the National Alliance on Mental Illness. It is a national organization that has state affiliates as well as local city affiliates. Uh, There's over 2,000 affiliates around the the world, including a few overseas. And uh, I work with the division called NAMI FaithNet, which is an outreach to faith communities and clergy, people of faith, so that they can understand as many uh, need to know about mental illness because the society that goes to church or to faith communities or mosques or temples have no immunity to mental health problems. And so uh, it's well known that uh, many times people will come to a faith community first when they're in distress. And if faith communities and pastors haven't had the education to even discern the difference between spiritual problems and physical problems and behavioral problems that are maybe in the category of mental illness, that's why NAMI FaithNet and National Alliance on Mental Illness is so important. And Carol, we spoke earlier about as people of faith, we, mm-hmm. we trust God, we have faith in God, and yet we understand the value of medical science. That's right. And that when people approach us with their mental distress, Mm -hmm. we pray for people. Yes, we do. But we don't leave them there. We know that faith without works is dead. Mm -hmm. So so talk to us about how faith and mental health treatment go together. Certainly, yes. And that's the position of NAMI FaithNet, 
is that we see them as complementary science and and faith, religion and the behavioral sciences. Uh, they God has given us a wonderful way of researching the brain and understanding how it affects every part of our moods, our thoughts, our choices, and our behavior. And so as they are complementary uh, sciences, you might say, religion has is a behavioral behavioral science in a way, isn't it? Yes, it God is. is always talking to us about our actions, our thoughts, our choices. So they are very complementary, and learning to see the difference in them is is extremely important. And there are ways to do that. Education is the key. Now, one of the things that we're doing together in the NAMI local chapter is we're hosting at our church a workshop called uh, Healthy Mind equals a healthy life. And it's a workshop of mental health awareness. We're not, we're not therapists or doctors, but we want to point people in the right directions. Flyers on the screen, website is there. So please be aware of that. And we also want to talk about other events coming up that are being hosted by NAMI and the various uh, groups that coordinate together. Let me ask you, Carol, what is FaithNet and how is that relationship uh, to NAMI vital relationship? Okay. All right. NAMI FaithNet is just one of the many outreaches for education uh, and awareness to our target audience, as the name says, is the faith communities. Um, NAMI has many other uh, outreach educational courses and trainings. For example, they train police officers. Even here in Indianapolis, the crisis intervention training is one of NAMI's uh, signature programs. We have programs to educate uh, students in the schools and teachers as well. We have programs for families, education for families we have, who have a loved one with a mental illness. We have education program for people themselves who have a diagnosis and are well enough to take responsibility for their illness and, and have a recovery plan. So you see NAMI FaithNet is just one of the many ways that NAMI tries to reach the various segments of the community and have a way of relating to what they need to know. We've been saying the word NAMI, uh, the letters N-A-M-I, stand for the National Alliance on Mental Illness. Mm -hmm. And this organization, and the website's on the screen there, this organization is, is the leading organization, I think, in our nation uh, for informing us on the, on the aspects of mental illness, the resources for mental health, during my research for the mental health series we produced, video series I produced, I used NAMI resources extensively and became educated on this topic. So please go to the website. You'll find something there that will help you and also support this organization. It's a nonprofit, so please support them. And the local chapter of, of NAMI, FaithNet then is the, is the faith-based version or faith-based aspect of NAMI. Mm -hmm. Let me ask you now, if I could, uh, Carol, what are a couple of your concerns about uh, helping people be aware of maybe mental health issues? And uh, what type of message do we need to convey to them to encourage them to get help? Okay. Um, uh, concern about our society, one of the ones that I think is becoming increasingly a problem is this divide that we're finding being uh, promoted in 
in the news, but in other parts of our society, and that is the us and them concept. Mm. Uh, it's me against whatever other group I don't belong to, and I'm here to protect my interests. It's that selfish sort of materialistic way of looking at life. And certainly that is not what we as Christians want to carry with us, but it is hard for us to stand up against that. It seems like it's out there. So it, I would say indifference, fear of the other. Uh, one of the things that concerns me, even in the faith community, is stigmatism about and judgmentalism, thinking that somehow that person ought to be able to pull themselves up by the bootstraps. Mm. And unfortunately, in some faith communities, there are attitudes that are very judgmental and incorrect. If you look at Scripture as a whole, and uh, if we don't see others now for what can ministers do what can the faith community do first of all the pastor leads the way he's the gatekeeper he's the one that gives permission to talk about so having ministers pray anonymously without a name for people who are in depression people who are struggling with suicidal thoughts people who've lost a loved one people who are have lost a job for those who are struggling emotionally or or mentally uh, that gives permission for people to say wow does he know about me and perhaps even uh, forming a health ministry that sees health and mental health as all in the same package. We are biologically intricately made. Our brain takes sends messages to all parts of our body. Yes. So mental health is not separate from our physical health. In fact, your comment earlier made me think of a phrase that the uh, Sergeant General back in 2019 or 2009, I believe, said that there is no health without mental health. It's the baseline. And so we as a faith community have to be able to open up and have maybe bring in speakers from a NAMI group, bring in uh, people who have an understanding of that complementary role of health and science and educate our people. And NAMI FaithNet has uh, courses and speakers to come into churches as well. Outstanding. I'm looking here at... Uh, the statement on the, on the website says, NAMI FaithNet is dedicated to, number one, creating a welcoming and supportive faith communities for people and their families who live with serious mental illness. Mm-hmm. Second, it says here, to promote the value of faith spirituality as a key component to recovery. That's right. And we know I, we as ministers and <laughs> believers, that is squarely in the, in the realm and domain of Scripture. Mm-hmm. And certainly this is something God himself is going to support mm-hmm. because it helps the people come to wholeness and faith in Christ. That's right. That's right. Let me ask you, Carol. Now, I'm always interested when I have guests to come on the program. I like to always inquire about the background. Mm-hmm. I see you're very passionate mm-hmm. about mental uh, health. Mm-hmm. What was it in your life that you know, encouraged you to become more involved on this very important okay. topic? Okay. Okay. Well, um, there was a, f- a family member who uh, became very ill at one time, and it was a point in that person's life where we weren't quite sure whether this was choices, bad choices, running with the wrong group, or, or whether it was something else. And I had never seen or known that I had seen someone with a mental health disorder. And so I, you know, 
had no way of knowing until we found NAMI. And NAMI opened our eyes. One of the doctors said, I think you ought to go to this group. Handed us a NAMI uh, flyer, said the support group might be of help. And so my husband and I went, and the people just surrounded us with support and love and said, Perhaps this is a mental illness. Here, take the family-to-family class. Family-to-family is a 12-week course for people who have a person with mental illness. There doesn't have to be a doctor's signature saying you have that. But that then led me to really pray about my role. I had been in church ministry, and then um, God just started touching my heart and saying, I want you to be part of this advocacy group, FaithNet. I want you to step forward and align yourself with a part of society, those who have a mental illness, that you're going to stand up and speak for them. You're going to be, and I struggled with that because we all know, do we want to be part of, do we want to identify with a part of society that most people stigmatize and push to the side and diminish their importance? and even criticized them, uh, their spiritual journey. Well, God had had me reading, um, while I was reading Isaiah 58, the one about what kind of fast do I require of you? Mm. And those scriptures, uh, verses 9 through 11 especially, just really touched my heart, and I knew God was calling me into this work. And so once God's call, (laughs) then... um, I had to move forward with that, and it's he's always been there for uh, for the work, and we're happy to be able to do that. Though it's it's a heavy burden sometimes. It is. It is. Yeah. In fact, that text you spoke of in Isaiah, part of it says that the reason for the fast, you know, of course, is to loose our own bonds, That's but right. to also help the afflicted, help That's the oppressed. Right. That's right. And that really that's the heart of God. That, that we is. Would, we would receive His help. That's right. And then carry the, his grace and That's that right. compassion to other people. That's right. And yeah. so I, I appreciate you telling that, sharing yeah. that story. Yeah, that's mm-hmm. that's because everybody has a everybody has a story. Everybody has right. reasons why how God uses us to get into what we're into. Yeah. So I appreciate that. Well, and but, I try to stay in the Word. Just one more yes, comment mm-hmm. on that. That because it keeps me on track. You know, when when we're bombarded with so many other philosophies and ways of looking at the world and. Finding God, um, staying in Scripture has really anchored me. And just the other day, uh, I was somehow came across Ezekiel, um, goodness, 22, 33, or something like that, about who will stand in the gap for me. I looked for a man who would stand in the gap to defend my people, and I found none. And I thought, we are standing in the gap for the people who need us, who don't have a voice. What can we do to eliminate the stigma related mm-hmm. to a mental illness okay. and encourage people to get help? All right, yes. Um, I will refer back a little bit to what we said earlier that um, mental health is just on the spectrum of mental wellness, we all live at some point on that spectrum of mental wellness, mental health, mental illness, and to understand that we are all so intricately made that we need the education to be able to discern the difference when we move into that. So education is number one. We know that knowledge gives power. 
And once you have the knowledge about your your body, your mind, your your stressors, what triggers me, what you know, in other words, knowledge, education, and we do have education courses and various ways of of educating pastors and and minister or and um, faith leaders as well as the the lay people. That's one thing. And another thing to discriminate or to distinguish and to uh, eliminate stigma is to get to know someone who has a mental health disorder. But that means. You and me, those of us who have struggled in any way, maybe we haven't been hospitalized, but maybe we have struggled with a real deep, dark depression. It could be physically uh, caused by heart surgery, not uncommon to have have that followed with depressive, uh, suicide, or depressive events, or... Uh, uh, anemia can cause severe depression. So we don't always know the cause of these things. So getting to know someone who is vulnerable and able to say, I need help, I'm one. And I will say that there is hope, there is treatment, there's recovery, and I'm one that has already received recovery. There are people in our NAMI groups who come to churches and speak, and they are identifying as a person in recovery. So getting to know someone, hearing their stories, education, those are two of the first things that we should be doing. That's very good. And on that note, uh, I mentioned earlier, I mentioned again, that we are hosting a workshop entitled Healthy Mind Equal Healthy Life. Mm -hmm. And our tagline is helping yourself and others be aware, healthy, and empowered. We're going to have... Um, couple of speakers. We're going to have expert panel with questions and answers. And this workshop will also feature mental health awareness videos and resources. We're going to have refreshments there, light refreshments, mind you. Mm -hmm. We're going to also have some computer workstations set out. You can go online and you can look at different assessments or look at different resources. You can print things out while you're with us. It'll be a wonderful time. So please mark your calendars right now for September 22nd here at New Covenant Church information on the screen and carol wills one of our speakers again it's called healthy mind equal healthy life and i believe you will be encouraged and you can encourage someone you know again it's not just it's only it's not just for you it's for you and those you know all right we all know people who struggle we i've struggled we all have maybe struggled doesn't matter come and help yourself and learn to help other people that's right all right Carol, what are some misconceptions about mental illness, and what are some barriers to achieving mental health? Okay. Uh, well, one of the, uh, in the spiritual realm, some of the uh, misconceptions are that sin is the cause of a mental health or lack of faith, or even demon possession. Uh, in the extreme cases, sometimes we we see it as a, a demon possession or just a, a character flaw or a character weakness. Another misconception in the larger community is that we think uh, people with severe mental illness are all violent. That is not true. Actually, the most the majority of people with a severe and chronic mental illness are the victims of criminal um, uh, attempt of some sort, a, a criminal, uh, criminalization, for one thing, if they are caught in a criminal act. Yes. But the other misconception is that they're violent, and that is not true. Another one is that medications will change your personality. Why do we take those medications? You don't want to do that to your brain. The fact is, 
uh, medications work for um, other types of illness. If we had a heart problem, the doctor might put us on a heart medicine. For blood pressure, we might be on a medication. So understanding how the brain works and how the medications work free us from that misconception and help us really go back to being ourselves. And then you ask about the barriers. Well, those misconceptions can be big barriers because if we have a mindset against something, we're not going to look into it at all until perhaps we experience it ourselves. So getting over that stigmatizing us and them that we talked about earlier, judgmental attitudes or barriers, um, access to treatment is another great barrier. It's so sad that sometimes we can convince somebody that we will go with them. We'll go get the help you need. We'll go, uh, you know, try to find a community mental health center or a doctor for you. And then we get there and find that that person does, that the doctor can't see you for three to six weeks because the appointments are all filled up. We have a a very grave, serious shortage of psychiatrists and psychologists in this country, but also in Indiana. And I would behoove young people who are interested in the behavioral health to consider looking into that as a call of God to help bring those people to that. And the care system is broken. You and I talked about that. The facilities just are inadequate, the number of beds. Um, Our jails are the number one housing for uh, the majority of people with severe mental illness, unfortunately. A couple of data points I learned in my research, again, from NAMI's organization's website and other resources that, uh, one, I learned that in African-American community, this matter of stigma is even, is even worse. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And, and in fact, we, part of our video production, went out in the streets and asked people in the streets about mental a mental health, mental illness. Now, first of all, they confused yes. mental health and mental illness. They used the term sort of they, they health did. to cover all the... Yes, exactly. yes. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But the goal is mental health. The That's disorder right. is mental illness. But one person said, said, well, some people, we just don't want to be considered to be feeble-minded. Mm-hmm. One mm-hmm. person ran away and said, I'm not crazy. They started oh. running away from oh. us with a camera. Oh. No, man, it's not a matter of being crazy, but these yeah. are... These are words that have yes, been yes. in our culture, it seems, well, every culture, but I'm aware of my culture most, mm-hmm. words mm-hmm. that have been connected to people That's right. who have had mental illness or mental distress. And That's so right. we're here to dispel that. As you said so well, uh, to be treated for mental illness is like being treated for high blood pressure, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. treated for exactly. any number of, of medical, physical That's disorders. Right. That's right. And so we shouldn't see mental illness that well the organic the brain part of it if there's a imbalance there we can treat that we had virginia kane dr kane one of our video series okay and she explained Mm -hmm. it very well Uh as a doctor she wants to treat the specific problem with a medication yes and if that will help then there's no reason to refuse that that's or consider it to be something that's right abnormal or worthy of being stigmatized. And they have improved the medications now. It used to be many of the psychotropic drugs would just sort of be like a shotgun. It would affect the whole brain. Mm. Therefore, you had lots of side effects Ah. for the parts of the brain that didn't need whatever that was. Now, the, the medications target specific parts of the brain and give you the help that you need, whether it be mood regulation or thought regulation or anxiety or whatever parts of the brain. It's just 
a miracle up here, the way God's created us. And the sciences behind it now are so much more advanced. Mm. Another data point I learned in my research, and you mentioned this, that the, the biggest mental health institution in our state of Indiana is the Marion County Jail. Mm-hmm. The jail is the biggest institution now. Right. To the credit of our police department and the, you know our city officials, yes. they're moving to change the model. They are, and yes. to have a processing process to you know to identify right. is this criminal behavior or is this mental? Right. And so treat treat the people mm-hmm. who are having mental challenges and then deal with criminals differently. That's right. And that was a very important And I believe they're change. housing the, the those people that have been diagnosed with a mental illness in a different place, giving yes. them different uh, and being more sensitive to the medications that they might be needing and Yeah. Yes. So mm-hmm. true. And also we in our research and our production work, we interview a couple of police officers. And and they in fact said a lot of their runs, police calls and runs are to some of the same places, the same people, that mm-hmm. someone called the police on somebody, you know, who was having a mental illness, this uh, episode, and it wasn't mm-hmm. criminal at all. That's right. But who could you call it? You just call the police. Police now being expected to do everything, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I think it's well, uh, it's well done that they're going to change that model. And police officers are on the front line, no doubt about it. They and, are. and they're being yeah. trained to recognize these symptoms and signs. That's right. And they have to do their jobs and mm-hmm. risk criminals. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I'm happy to see that we're really looking at this issue of what it is, mental illness. That's right. Yeah, and get yes. people help right. so that they can stop, you know, reoccurring or, uh, or reoffending, rather, or they can, mm-hmm. we can change the system and, yes. and, and help people and not just jail people. And then the cycle just repeats itself over That's and over right. again. Let's do talk now more about upcoming events and initiatives sponsored by NAMI FaithNet. We've heard so much about uh, what is uh, being done in our city and what Carol is doing. And, and uh, there's so much more I could have read about her resume and what she's doing. It's a lot of advocacy work she's doing. But let's talk about specifically about what's coming up. You mentioned the, the Candidates Forum. Mm-hmm. What else should we understand and be aware of as it relates to NAMI FaithNet? Okay. We are a partner, as I said before, uh, with the Center for Interfaith Cooperation, and we have created an Interfaith Men- Coalition for Mental Health, which is the sponsor of a four-part uh, series called Walking with the Wounded, Supporting Trauma survivors in faith communities. Our goal is to equip faith communities with the understanding of how we can become supportive, sensitive to those who have had lives of that have been traumatized, who have experienced severe trauma in their either in their childhood or their adult life. And these traumas can vary from some of the most severe kinds of physical abuse, emotional abuse, Uh, as a child or even in their later years for women or even men, incarcerated men, sometimes uh, have been raped. Uh, We have natural disasters. We have terrorism in the world. We have head injuries that can uh, cause traumatic brain injury. So trauma is something we as as a society understand is more present than we would like to admit. So these four sessions, we've had one in August, and that was related to the trauma of being 
uh, a refugee and having to leave your home and come, and what are those experiences like. But on September 12th, we have a conference at University of Indianapolis, an all-day conference, and that is entitled Faith Communities Creating Courageous and Healing Spaces. Come and listen to Reverend Lynn James, who is a specialist in this area of traumatic injuries and therapist and counselor. Uh, We also would like to invite you on October 17th to our monthly luncheon, the uh, Interfaith Coalition's monthly luncheon at the um, uh, Indiana Interchurch Center, and that is from 12 to noon. It's called Holding On to Faith After Trauma. Our speaker that day will be Reverend Dr. Sarah Griffith Lund, who is the first uh, congregational senior minister up on 71st Street, a person who has written a very moving book, and and then our final uh, trauma, trauma, uh, Walking with the Wounded program is called Youth Trauma and Spirituality. That's on November 14th from 12 to 1.30. I hope you'll look at the information we have for you on that and come and participate so that we as people of faith can learn how to not re-traumatize people, how not to discount their troubles and their difficulties, and instead give them a place, a safe, sacred space. This is great. I trust you took note of those uh, events. We They're on the screen as well, and websites there as well. And these are events in which I believe churches and members of churches and pastors or pastors' representatives mm-hmm. can be present and incorporate the findings you know, into, our, into our plan of action to serve the community. Because, you know, God wants to save us spirit, soul, and body. And the soul is the mind, the will, and the emotions. Carol, as we close out today, you want to share anything with our viewers and listeners as we close? Well, I would just encourage people to um, come out of the closet if they themselves have a mental health issue. Come to one of the NAMI groups. Come find some other people who understand you. Bring a spouse with you if you're in a support group. Help your family stay together. And we know that NAMI is there to help get connected with your local NAMI affiliate here in Indianapolis. And we also have the state affiliate. We're fortunate here in Indianapolis to have that. So get connected with NAMI. Get connected with churches like Pastor Hudson's who understands and wants to give you freedom and a place to heal and to become part of this larger community of people who stand in the gap for one another, who become God's servant to heal and to bring our, the kingdom of God to our earth. We've been speaking with Carol Wills, and she is on the board and works with a great group called NAMI FaithNet here in our city of Indianapolis. We've heard about the importance of getting help for mental illness and about promoting mental health, and those differences are important to, to, to define. You've heard about upcoming events that are coming both to New Covenant Church and to our city through NAMI. So please be aware and share this information, and let's wrap our minds around the various assets that are available to us, and let's take these matters to heart, and let's be helped and let's help somebody. So thank you, Carol, for being with me today. Thank you for having me. It's been me. a fruitful discussion. Thank you. I appreciate it. Great. Your and I trust, I trust you were informed and blessed as well. So until next time, this is Brian Hudson 
on Conversations in Focus here on Vision Stream Network, go to our podcast. All the past conversations are there on our podcast, on iTunes, on TuneIn, on, on Podbean. You can find the pod, just Google Conversations in Focus. You'll find the previous programs. God bless. Have a great day. Thank you.